0: This morning, Psalm chapter 3 is where we will be be pilfering through as we see what the Lord has for us this morning. Now, Psalm chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy heel. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who set themselves against me all, about, all around. Arise O Lord save me O God for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone you have broke the teeth of the ungodly salvation belongs to the Lord your blessing is upon your people now the bible is has no shortage on chapters and verses that deal with troubling times or are descriptive of things that are happening. And as the psalmist, um, who is David here, writing about a time that was quite troubling for him. It was something that um, uh, caused him a lot of heartache and a lot of um, um, caused him to flee for his life. And what he's writing about here is a revolt that his son has conspired to take over his kingdom and to take him over if we can go back just briefly, keep your hand and finger marking there in, um, in Psalm chapter 3. If you turn back to 2 Samuel, you'll start where Absalom starts his uh, conspiracy and he starts to build his mutiny. Now this is shortly after Absalom has um, just murdered one of his brothers, one of David's sons. And even, And even through all of that, through the pain that David went through, he still was able to forgive Absalom. And to give him a place and to, and to keep him safe. But even though was as big of a problem child as Absalom was, and I guess we could say he's a problem child, he had issues. I always try to find a common ground, you know, when I'm reading about somebody or whenever I meet somebody new, I try to find common ground with them. And I was surprised that I found it in Absalom. And what I found in 2 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 25, it says, Now in all Israel there was no one praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. (laughs) Why are you laughing? That's not nice. (laughs) That's not nice at all. But I did find out there's a stark difference as well in the very next verse. It says whenever he cut his hair every year, he removed about five pounds of hair. So there's a big, big difference in me and that guy. But however, Absalom... Was an it was an evil evil man. He um, he had a godly father that cared for him deeply, and wanted him to make the right choices and did everything that he possibly could in order to set him up into a place where he could serve God, and, and do things that were right in the sight of the Lord. But that was never good enough for Absalom. That was not the desire of his heart. He never chose the right way. But we see starting in verse or in chapter 15. And after after um, David had extended forgiveness to, um, to Absalom for murdering his son, Absalom stands in the gate and he starts to stop people as they're coming into the gate for judgment. They have a case to bring before the king. And in Absalom in verse 4 there, it says, moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that if I were made judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or calls, they would come to me and then I would give him justice. But he was stopping them and saying, look, there's nobody here to hear your case. And he was painting David in a very bad light, but at the same time raising him up and, and painting himself in a good light saying, you know, if I were him, this is what I would do. You would get justice. And in verse six, you see, it says, in this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who became Um, who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And it says in the very next verse that he did this for 40 years, that he was planning this revolt. He was planning this mutiny. He was doing everything he possibly could in order to build people to support him and to steal away the hearts of the men of Israel from David, his father, in order that they would be on his side and side with him. And he did this for a total of 40 years. And after the 40 years had gone and everything had been in place and he thought he had enough people won over, he went to King David and said, look, I need you to set me over here to this place. And, and, and David did. And then within that 40 years, looking at, at chapter 15 and verse 12, apparently he was able to reach and to gain the heart of David's counselor. His chief counselor in verse 12, it says, and then Absalom sent Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, from Gilo, says, while he offered sacrifices and the conspiracy grew strong for the people with Absalom and they continually increased in number. That's very reminiscent of verse, verse one in Psalm chapter three, is it not? Where we see there, it says, the Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. But this revolt was done by his own son. People were coming up against him and they were following his son to do so, and um, and also he'd actually reached the the chief counselor for David, who had been speaking and giving advice to King David throughout his years as a, as a king. And now Absalom has worn, won over the heart of Ahithophel, his counselor. And then once once everything gets in place, he calls all these people to him, and and, and Ahithophel comes to him. He advises Absalom. Now he is now the advisor and the counselor for. For Absalom, and if we, bring his, if we come to verse, or chapter 17, we actually see why David is lamenting it the way he is in Psalm chapter 3. Listen to what's going on. This is coming from who used to be David's chief counselor, Second uh, Samuel chapter 17 and verse 1. It says, Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and I will make him afraid and all the people who are with him will flee and I will strike only the king. Then I will bring back all of the people to you and when all return except the man whom you seek, all the people will be at peace. They don't think there's anything that could be more disheartening than what is actually said next in verse four. And this saying pleased Absalom and all of the elders of Israel. Now, picturing yourself in David's position, this is a terrible position in which he finds himself. He has a son who loves him dearly, who's been working 40 years to overthrow his kingdom. And not only that, but his chief counselor has now sided with his son, who's who's joined the plot, but also it says that all the elders of Israel are now on the side of Absalom, the one who is seeking to overthrow the king and now we find out that Ahithophel has a plan to chase King David down, put him to death, and then bring back the people to serve Absalom, and this pleased Absalom and the elders of Israel. I mean, how disheartening could this be? I think we would find that David is in a pretty troublesome time. Would you agree? Yes. What would you do during this situation? I mean, how would you respond? How would you react? What would you do? Where would you go? Well. This psalm finds us in some troubling times. Now, I understand a lot of us go through difficult situations. We go through difficult times. I don't think any, any of us have faced this exact same similar um, or this exact same circumstance. But however, we have faced difficult times. You know, many of us experience family problems, and we experience those on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes family, families are going great, and sometimes families just seem to be falling apart. But however, we face problems like that quite consistently. Some of us are the victims of gossip and criticism. That's a common source of grief. Unfortunately, it does happen in churches and amongst the Christian brothers and sisters. We have friends that sometimes turn against us. Was the, the, we, we have, uh, we've, we've had friends who've been friends in the past and close to us, but what we found out later on is that while they were giving us a hug around our neck, they were stabbing us in the back. And we see all, and oftentimes fear can often be cultivated by various sources. And we can gain fear and we can be, be paralyzed by fear many times and oftentimes whenever we're trying to follow and seek the Lord's will in our, in our own lives. So there's no question that there's no short shortage of difficult times and circumstances that we all have in our day-to-day lives. But today we're going to be talking about how can we remain tranquil in tribulation. Why am I using a fancy word like tranquil? Because it has a T and tribulation has a T, that's why a whole semester in seminary learning that. So that's why we're doing that. Basically, it's how to remain calm during these times of trouble. You know, how do we handle the situation? Well, we're gonna look at what David did. Now, David, I'm sure and I hope that he has faced something far more tragic than any of us have ever experienced. And what he did, I believe, if we will mimic into and, 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 uh, and kind of look at how he handled the situation, I believe it's a way that we can remain calm And tranquil during the times of tribulation that we will go through. But in order to experience this tranquility in tribulation, there's a few things that we need to understand and know about God. Now, we can go back to Psalm chapter 3 now. There's a couple of things that we need to understand about our Lord. Now, starting in verse 1 again, in Psalm chapter 3, it says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, There is no help for him in God. In verse 3, it says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. One of the things that we need to realize in order to experience a calm in the storm or the tranquil, or or experience tranquility in tribulation, we need to understand that God is our shield. The Lord is our shield. Nothing comes unto you except what God allows to come unto you. There's nothing that goes on that God is not aware of. Now, we have to be careful in this, okay? And you've heard me express this before. If you're living a life in sin, you're just, a lot of times, you're going to face your own consequences for your own behavior. But, but, a, but, a, but a soul and a child of God who is, who is pursuing the goodness of God and to do things according to his will, way, and purpose, a lot of times we still face tragedy. We, feel we still face tribulation. David is, is that one. You know, yes, he had some problems and he had some difficulties and he had some sinful behavior, but he was a man after God's own heart. He was always willing to repent of his sin and turn back into a right relationship with God and also in doing so, he still is faced with the situation that he's facing in Psalm chapter 3, where his son Absalom is looking to overthrow his kingdom and have him put to death. But we need to realize that the Lord is our shield. And during this time that, that David is facing this, now David is, has is now, he's been, he's been run out of Jerusalem. He's no longer there, but he's had to flee because of the men that Absalom has assembled against him. And actually, Absalom has taken over Jerusalem. He has occupied Jerusalem now, and David is the one who is who's exiled from there, just for his safety, for his men and himself. And we find David, he's actually able to recognize and have the proper perspective of who his Lord is. He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. You are a shield for me. Now, understanding, I don't think I have to go into so much detail as far as what a shield is. But we look at the, we look at the warriors of the time that David was, um, was king. These guys were no, no sissies, okay? These guys were tough. How many of y'all seen the movie 300? Okay, that's, that's the time era that we're talking about. We're talking about big, buffed up guys with shields, with shields and swords, helmets, wearing dresses, all that, all the, the whole nine yards. These guys were tough. We're not talking about calling for fire and radioing, radioing things, you know, several clicks out and seeing bombs blow up. We're talking about man-to-man, you know, hand-to-hand combat here. This is a scary situation. I would not want to be on the battlefield carrying a shield and a sword, but however, if I was put in that situation, you wouldn't find me without one. And what we need to understand is that the Lord is our shield, and the shield was used for the purpose of absorbing the blows, whether it was from a sword, or whether it was from another shield, or whether it was just blocking, um, or blocking and keeping people from, from coming in even uh, even closer and infiltrating your line. But also as the archers would, would, uh, from the other side, they would launch thousands of arrows over at one time. It would actually darken the sky as they would come over. You would actually have to hold it up and it would absorb all of those arrows and you would be protected. God is our shield. The Lord is our shield, and that's what David is actually able to sit down and focus on. He says, yes, I've got the numbers that have increased on me. They've rised up against me, even so much that they believe that there's no help in God for me. But however, Lord, you are my shield. God is our shield. He was a shield for Abraham. He said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. And two other times, David expressed that God was his shield. In Psalm 33 and 20, it says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Also, in in Psalm 84 and 11, it says, for the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is our shield. Now, when you're going into battle, you never forget your shield, correct? In order for it to have any purpose for you at all, you've got to make sure that you carry it. You don't leave it. You don't leave it. You don't just partially use it. You've always got to have an expectation. When you're going out into a battlefield, you've got to pick up the shield, correct? Now, if you don't, if you, even if you carry the shield, whenever the arrows come or whenever the, the sword's coming, what do you have to do? You have to position yourself behind it, correct? So you've got to put Jesus and put God up in front of you with that shield. You've got to raise the shield. In order for it to do any good for you at all, you've got to raise it up. So whenever we are going through these difficult times, the Lord is our shield. Whenever, we, whenever trouble comes our way, what we have to do is we have to lift him up. Lift the Lord up. Praise him during those times. Don't forget him and leave him behind, but you actually pick the shield up and you raise him up. So whenever we're dealing with the difficult times, you raise him up because he is our shield. Whenever you're struggling in your relationships, you you raise him up. Whenever you are going through persecutions or temptation, you raise him up. Depression and tragedy, whatever it may may come to you, whenever it comes to you facing these tribulations, these terrible times, raise him up. Position him to where he can absorb the blows because he is your shield. The Lord is your shield. That's why David um, uh, is able to continue with this psalm in the way that he does because he recognizes and has a perspective that even though the numbers have increased in him abundantly and many are rising up and they're even saying that God is not going to help you. Your God can't even help you. He says, the Lord is my shield. The Lord is my shield. He's a shield for me. In verse 3, he says, my glory. He says, you are my glory, and you are the one that lifts up my head. The Lord is the one who lifts up our head. In those times whenever we are so weighed down with what the world has on us, he's the one who lifts up our head. He's the one who keeps us from collapsing if we look to him, if we raise him up. He is our shield. He will raise you up. He will lift up your head. And in verse 4, it says, I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me starting in verse 4 it says I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy heel that's got to be the one of the most amazing things we could possibly think about is that the God and creator of all things when we speak to him he wants to hear he wants to hear so whenever, whenever we're like David or whenever David is in this situation, he, cry, he cries out to God. He cries out to his shield. He cries out to the one who is his glory. He cries out to the one who can hold his head up. And he cries out to the Lord with confidence knowing that God hears from his holy heel. You know, God is not irrelevant to us. God is not just a bystander, just kind of watching things and seeing how things play out. But he is instrumental in the lives of his people. And he wants to show himself strong. He wants to be your shield. But will we call out to him, God? He said, David cried out to the Lord for help and says, and he heard me. The Lord listens to us. He is our shield. He is our glory. He is, our, he is the one who lifts up our head, our head. Therefore, we should turn to him during these times, these troubled times that we're facing. Let's turn to the Lord. He will hear you. Now, the very next verse in, in verse 5, <clears throat> understand the situation where David is. He's exiled from, from, from Jerusalem. He's fleeing for his life because Absalom has now occupied Jerusalem. He's not in his bed. He doesn't have his bedroom. He's not in his, not in his castle. But, however, we see that verse 5, it says, I laid down and slept. Now, what does I tell you about David. What does, that tell you, what does that tell you about David and the people who are coming to attack him? It almost seems like he's not really that concerned, doesn't it? I mean, whenever we get weighed down with things in the world, I know that the way that I handle them. And I see situations that I don't have a solution for. I see things that I can't fix or things that are going on that I have no power to change. Usually I lose sleep. I don't sleep very well at all. I believe the reason that I do that is I'm only resting on the strength that I personally have, and I'm not actually understanding who God is as a sustainer. See, David saw that he was his sustainer. In verse 5, it says, I lay down and slept, I woke up, for the Lord sustained me. Do we really believe that God is in 100% control? Yes, God is in control. And I believe if we follow Christ and we are doing what God has called us to do, that there's nothing that will come unto us except what God has permissed to happen to us, but however, he will sustain us through whatever may happen. Ultimately, God will lead us through troubled times. Following Jesus will take you right into a storm. Following Jesus will bring about persecution, but however, the one who is going to sustain you is going to be God, if it be according to his will. So we need to be able to relax in that. If God is truly in control and he has the limitless power that the Bible teaches that he has, we should be able to completely and totally rest knowing that he is our sustainer. And if God so chooses to sustain me through the, through the rest of the night or through the problem through which I am going, there's nothing, in, there's nothing that anybody else in this world can do that's gonna change that. We can rest knowing that we've cried out to God the one who is our shield, the one who is our protector, the one who is our sustainer, and once we have given that to the Lord, understanding that he has heard us, we should be able to lay down and rest because he is our sustainer. No one else has, has more power than what God is, and if he has chosen to sustain you through your troubles as you seek his will and continue to follow him, he's going to sustain you. He is truly our sustainer. He will bring you through those things that we face in our day-to-day life. And it says that he had heard me. You know, David had such peace about this, he was actually able to go to sleep, and he slept in peace, and he woke up invigorated because the Lord had has sustained him. It was a, kind of dangerous to fall asleep because you never know, especially back in that time, you know, nobody can text you and send you a message or wake you up or set an alarm or anything, But after he had gone to the Lord in prayer and and poured his heart out and he had heard from his holy hill, he was able to rest even under the circumstances under which he was where there was an army seeking to kill him and to take over his kingdom. But however, he was able to do such because he knew that God was not only his shield but his sustainer as well. And next what we find in verse six, it says, I will not be afraid of 10 thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around the next thing that we're going to see here is if we have a proper perspective of who God is as our shield and our strength or as our shield and our sustainer but he is also the source of our strength he says that I will not fear I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me you know whenever we are fearful about something it's about it's, it's we're fearful because we can't see the solution within our own strength we can't find the solution to the problem within our own knowledge we don't know how we're going to fix it or the problem may be too big for us to personally fix it so therefore we are afraid of the situation and David is looking at an army of 10,000, according to his estimation. It says that Ahithophel, he was gathering 12,000, but actually it ended up what they, whenever they went to battle in Jerusalem, they actually slaughtered over 20,000 people who stood with Absalom. But the thing about it is is that we have no fear if we have the proper perspective of the strength of God and how he wants to show himself strong through you. We have to understand whenever we come to God and whenever we're living our life and following him, whatever comes about, about us, that if we stand with God, if we, if we side with our shield and we stand behind our shield, knowing that God is our sustainer, whenever we're faced with ten thousands of men, we can stand firm knowing that even if I stand alone with God, I still have the majority. God is our sustainer, he is our shield, and he is ultimately our strength. And he is seeking those in whom he can show himself strong. Yes, if I'm, if I'm living this life on my own strength, I've got every reason to be scared to death and afraid of any, anything and every little thing that there is. But truly, if I believe that God is my sustainer and he is my shield, I have no reason to fear. I have no reason to fear whatsoever because, I, because God is my sustainer. He is my shield, and he's also my source of strength. And if I'm willing to, to, to allow God to work through me and, and to walk in obedience and to show himself strong through me, then I can be victorious. And if we do that, if we allow God to be our strength, if we recognize him as our shield, if we recognize him as our sustainer, and we see him as our source of strength, then he is also every source of victory. He is our source of victory. And what we see in verse 7, in verse 7 it says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbones. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord, for your blessing is upon your people. David was a mighty warrior. He was a valiant man. He was one who had won, won plenty of wars and plenty of battles. And the Lord had given him many successes. This is a boy, this is a man who was, when he was a boy, went on and took the champion of the Philistines in Goliath, stood toe-to-toe with him, and won. It was victorious. But in every case, he recognized that it wasn't on his ability. He recognized that the victory wasn't brought about because of his ability it was because he was available and and he allowed God to show himself strong through David. He never claimed a victory for himself, but however, he always claimed a victory that God had given him. And here it's no no different. In verse 7 it says, Arise, O Lord, save me. So he's seeking God. God, you save me. I am in trouble here. And he he reflects in the times in the past. He says, For you have struck all of my enemies... On the, on the cheekbone, you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. You have done this. And he also recognizes that salvation belongs to the Lord. The deliverance from his enemies belongs to the Lord. The Lord who is his shield. The Lord who is his sustainer. The Lord who is his strength and his source of victory. He recognizes that in, in his own strength he has no chance. But he calls out to the one who can give him the victory and has given him the victory and, and, and proudly displays that Jesus, the salvation belongs to the Lord. Now they did have to go in and they did attack Jerusalem. They did attack Jerusalem and, they, and the Lord gave them a victory. And If we look in, in, um, in chapter 18, 2 Samuel chapter 18, what we have here Starting in verse, in verse 6, it says, So the people went out into the field in the battle against Israel, and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. It says, The people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and the great slaughter of 20,000 took place that day. That's a lot of people. That's a great victory for the Lord through the men that David led. But look at verse 8 it says, For the battle there was scattered all over the face of the whole countryside. And the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Truly the Lord showed up. And and we all were pretty familiar with the story of what happened to Absalom. I think that those long long hair that he typically wore, think of God to him, right? That'll teach him, bald is beautiful, right? He got stuck in a tree, maybe in his head or his hair, but he got stuck in a tree, and things did not end so well for Absalom. But the thing about it is, is that the Lord truly gave David the victory. David was totally and completely blindsided by this. He had to flee for his life in wisdom, and then he called out to the Lord and he said, Lord, you are my shield, you are my sustainer. I cannot do this in my own strength, but, but Lord, you're my strength, and I will fear no one as long as you are the one who is feeding me the strength. And Lord, you are the source for all victories. Even even us and ourselves, whenever we are faced with troubling times, we need to see the Lord for who he is. See the Lord as that shield, that sustainer. Nothing is going to come unto you except for what God allows. He will sustain you through even the toughest times as long as we are willing to continually stand by him. He will give you the strength to bear it and he truly is the source of victory. And we need to give recognition where recognition is due. Salvation is of the Lord. There's no question that Satan is going to attack us. There's no question that, that, um, that God's people have been attacked by Satan you know, as, as far as time has existed. And he will not stop. So there's no question about, it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when your tragedy is gonna happen. When Satan is going to hit you really hard, are you going to be prepared? But well, you need to have this perspective even before that happens. You need to have an understanding that yes, God is your shield, He is your sustainer, He is your strength, and He's your source of victory, and be able to and be able to claim that and be ready for those times when they come. Because if you don't have this in place when that happens, you're already one step behind. But God is that source, and if we're going to have that peace during that time or that tranquility in the time of tribulation. We need to have this this understanding. And the real victory truly is in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57 and 58, it says, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We must be steadfast and unmovable. You know, Paul is reaching out to the people in, in Corinth. Remember, this is a time where the church is underground and they're being persecuted at this time. He said, look, stand fast. Be unmovable. Jesus is the one who's given you the victory. Keep moving forward. Stand fast. And you know, I've got to admit to you, how many of you have ever gotten a text message where you've read the text message and you totally messed up on the tone that you were supposed to interpret? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, you read it like I can't believe he said that, or he said that, and you, and you, you respond with something really ugly, and they're like, "What's going on? Why'd you do that?" Or you call and you, and you, and you talk talk it over and say, "Man, I wasn't, know, I not mean, trying to be ugly." Whenever I first started reading this psalm, I believed that I misinterpreted the tone of the text that we see here in Psalm three. Whenever I was reading first verses one and two. Whenever I first got into it, whenever he's saying, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me, many have they raised up against me. Many are they who say there is no help for him in God. I was thinking maybe this was out of pain and anguish and worry and fear. But actually in the context of what we see, verses 3 through 8, it's almost like you can go back and read it with a chuckle, almost. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say there's no help for God in him. It's almost like a chuckle. It's like, but God, Lord, you're my shield. I'm not worried about these guys. I'm not worried about them at all. But they don't understand who they're coming up against. They're not coming up against me. They're coming up against you. I'm not worried about this at all. And I believe that we can even have that type of perspective whenever tribulations come on us in troubled times. We should be able to just kind of say, the Lord's my shield. The Lord's my sustainer. This ain't, is this ain't nothing for me. I'm going to go take a nap. I'll let, I'll let you know whenever I'm done. Man, we can claim such victory and we can have that peace that only God can give. And I believe it's, a perspective, it's, only, it's the only perspective in life that I believe that we can adopt in order for us to have and to experience that peace whenever we go through such trying times. Because God is our, he is our shield. He's our sustainer. He's our strength. And he's that source of victory. That we are told to be still and know that i am god be still and know that w- who our god is so that tells us that there is a place there is a place under the circumstances that is a peaceful place and i believe is found in the t- in the perspective that we have of who god really is let's pray father we just want to thank you so much god we want to praise you for the fact of who you are we want to praise you for the fact that you are our shield or that you will sustain us. You have the ability above anything that we could possibly imagine. And Father, may we continue to rest in who you are. Father, may we always be found working for you, but resting in the fact that our souls will not be vexed by the world around us. Father, may we live a life that truly shows an obedient life. And may our faith that is lived out before the people show that we are completely and totally fearless.